0: And so, dear church family, in today's passage of Holy Scripture, we see the history of Christ's resurrection from the dead. The grave uh, could not hold our Savior, could it? And he rose victoriously over sin and death and made a way for us to be forgiven all of our sin and to present us faultless before the throne of grace, righteous in His sight. And so we come today not to worship a dead Savior, but one that is risen, a risen Savior who ever lives to intercede for His people. Christ's disciples witnessed and saw alive he who only a few days earlier great multitudes saw dying and died. Great multitudes from all around the world witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ die on that cross of Calvary. And here we see in today's passage of scripture how the Lord revealed himself to his true blood-born children, how he lives now, who was once dead, and he as it were reveals himself secretly to his people, and shows them the proof of his love to them. The apostle Peter puts it well when he says in two Peter one sixteen, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables, where we made known unto you the power and coming our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They beheld the Son of God, full of grace and truth. They heard, didn't they, that voice coming from heaven, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. They saw that the eternal Word become flesh, they saw the Prince of Glory. They saw His majesty. They heard the words of eternal life, the words that brought dead back to life, the blind to see again, those who were dying of infirmity to be made whole again. He commanded by His words, and people obeyed. They beheld His majesty. They beheld the only begotten of the Father. And isn't it amazing that the Christian faith is built upon this small band, the testimony of this small band of poor fishermen and people who who really were outcasts in society like publican. And this small band, as it were, the Lord was pleased to set uh, his love upon and to utterly change the world, as it were, from this small band, And although we are a small band here, let us take courage and that that although we are weak, as it were, the Lord can mightily use us for his glory and for his heavenly purposes. And so today I would like really to bring comfort to any troubled minds here and broken hearts amongst us and any who come to listen to today's sermon with the precious words Which the Savior said to his disciples in verse 19. He said these profound, precious words, and of course the timing of them was providentially perfect. Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. These are the first words which the Savior said collectively to the body of believers as it were, corporately. Peace be unto you. Now friends, before we look at these precious words that the Lord spoke to his true blood children, I must ask you a question as I ask myself the same question. Do you, do I, do we have peace with God? Do you have peace? With God, I do not say are you at peace with God, because one can think that they are at peace with God without actually having God's divine peace, that heavenly peace, really that gives complete perspective in life, it's an a, 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 a eternal peace, it is not a temporary peace. And so one can think they're at peace without actually knowing God's peace within them. And of course, such was the condition in Jeremiah's day. Hence, of course, he was called, wasn't he, the weeping prophet. Not many people were converted in Jeremiah's day. In fact, many scientists say of God's messengers, whether they were priests or prophets, had become completely worldly, as it were, and did not sufficiently warn the people. Hence the words of Jeremiah six, Jeremiah six fourteen, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. You see the prophets and priests of that day many of which became incredibly worldly and incredibly covetous covetous, and they gave the people at large a false sense of peace hence the words of jeremiah a false sense of security they did not sufficiently warn the people from the Word of God simply because they themselves have become too worldly and covetous as it were. And such such, friends, as the days that we are living, isn't it? Many, many churches, many church leaders have been completely, sad to say, been given over to worldliness and covetousness, insomuch that they have no desire, really, to pre- present Christ's church as a chaste bride, as it were. They do not sufficiently warn the people of God. And hence the words of Jeremiah 6.13 in the previous, in the verse before that. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even Even the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. And so let me ask that question once again. Do you and do I, do we have peace with our God? The peace, of course, which God gives and must give is not that which the world gives. A lot of people get tangled up with that. It's not something which can be manufactured. It's not something which can be gotten by intellectual assent. It's something which only God can give. The world and the people of the world cannot give the peace which only God can give. In fact, Christ said himself, didn't he, in John 14:27, peace. I leave with you. He's saying this to his disciples, of course, before that great act of passion and love. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you not as the world given this peace only comes from the savior it really is a peace that puts everything in life into perspective it's a peace that conquers the very depths and core of our heart and soul it's a peace for the soul friends it's it's not a temporary peace which the world offers this heavenly peace of course Time was spoken to Christ's true disciples. But now, at this providential moment of Christ's resurrection, it really came with striking force, didn't it, into their very hearts and their very souls. You see, friends, the words which the Savior said to his disciples were not just words of salutation, they were not just familiar words of greeting. And although we hear these words often said, don't we, in the New Testament by the Apostles, and uh, peace be unto you, and such the like, uh, they were not just words of familiar greeting. Now, in this providential moment in time, with the resurrected Saviour revealing Himself in the midst of His people. Where we have that promise, where two or three are gathered in His his name. There He is, in the midst. And there He is, isn't He? And the peace which He speaks about to them, dear beloved, came with great power, didn't it? Great power into their hearts and into their souls. That the words which the Lord spoke of, peace be unto you, were more than a familiar greeting. They were a solemn and a very powerful benediction, conferring and commanding upon them all the heavenly fruits and blessings of a risen Saviour. What a wonderful, wonderful thing we have here, friends. And the phrase, peace be unto you, might have been common, As a word, commonly used. But the sense now was very peculiar and very powerful into each and every one of their hearts. The effect of Christ's death and now resurrection, and now the precious words of the Saviour, peace be unto you, commanded instantly that. Heavenly peace for the soul, which they so desperately needed, and of course, which they us all to take up the cross and to follow Christ. And so we see it in verse 20, don't we? How that Christ showed them the proofs of his love. Verse 20 reads, and when he had said so, so said, he showed unto them his hands. At his side, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And so, when the Lord revealed Himself miraculously, of course, in, 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 in completely in the flesh, as it were, in the body, and revealed Himself in the midst of them, and showed showed them His hands where those giant pegs had been nailed. his hands and his feet, and as it were, he shows them his hands, this is how much I have loved you, this is what you mean to me now, showed him the pierce on the side, of course the scriptures then would have become flooding into their hearts, They would have been revealed unto them, there was an element of uncertainty. In their hearts, that when they saw uh, physically the Lord, he showed them the proofs of his love, that he was alive and how much he loved them, that he was willing to love them even unto death, as it were. Greater love have no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. And Christ laid down his perfect holy life for us while we're yet sinners, didn't he? And so, friends, we see here, this is really what made the disciples glad. But it was the words, it was the words of Christ, again in verse 22, which he says, Peace be unto you again. There, there is a highlighting here of the same words, that whenever we come to a passage of Holy Scripture. And it emphasizes a particular passage that should really prick our ears. God's trying to tell me something here. It's emphasizing a passage here. In fact, these words, when the Lord Jesus said them again, Peace be unto you. They were met directly with the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. And we see that evidence in verse 22, don't we? Verse 22 of God's precious word says, And when he had said this, said what? Peace be unto you. The second time, the emphasis upon that, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. When he had said this, that is the word of the living God. Peace unto you. It was met by the quickening power of the Holy Spirit into the very depths the very core of their being. You see, friends, when Christ's words are met with the quickening power in the providential moment in life into the heart of any poor lost sinner, they come with great converting and transforming power. You know, I, for many years, went to church. My mum took me to church. I was under the gospel many, many times. Uh, But I could say, I could put my hand up, that at those times, I was never converted. Uh, I wouldn't say I was a terrible person. Uh, I didn't give my mum a hard time in going to church. I actually wanted to go. But I was never converted, you see. The things of Christ never became real to me. His words never really never really penetrated right through to the soul. And until until that day where the Lord really it was, it was the right day, it was a providential day where he spoke to me like thunder, as so it were, right into the very heart. And this is true with all God's people. When the word of God comes a great converting and transforming power. And just think about the context here in which this is written in. Before Christ's resurrection, we know that Simon Peter, of course, denied the Lord three times, didn't he? He said, I'll never leave you, Lord. He thought, well, maybe others would leave him, but I love you. I'll never forsake you, as it were. And, of course, the Lord Uh, showed him the weakness of the self-confidence, didn't he? And what happened? Well, Peter denied the Lord three times. And he did so vehemently. He even swore, didn't he? Uh, And when that cock crowed thrice, as it were, and he remembered, what did he remember? The word of God. He remembered the words of Christ, as it were. It was... He remembered what the Lord had said, and the Lord looked at him, of course, with those eyes and that heart of pity and compassion, still loving him, as it were, and of course this brought Peter to uh, repentance, as it were, and deep, deep weeping, uh, deep weeping. And what about the other disciples? They did not do so much as... As Peter did, as it were. And so the words that we have here are quite remarkable, aren't they? You would have thought when the Lord revealed himself in the midst of the his disciples. He says, Why, why, why did you forsake me, Peter? Why did you you why did you and you said that you would you would never leave me, you said that you'd be there for me. You called yourself a disciple and a friend. But, 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 you denied me many times. And what about, and what about you, the other disciples, didn't do so much as to follow behind? You said you loved me after all that I've done for you. After everything that I've done. But what does, but what does the Lord say, friends? Peace. Peace. Be unto you. That's amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. That would not be our reaction, would it? If someone was to forsake us, was to treat us like that, someone who we've we've shown only good, we've only loved them, we've only helped them, we've we've only done all that we could for them, and then they just forsake us and deny us. But not so with God. You see, God is unique, dear friends. Christ, He says those remarkable words, doesn't He? Peace. Peace. I've set my love upon you. I've set my love upon you. You are as the apple of my eye. Nothing is going to take me away from you. I love you.
1: Yea, before the foundations
0: of the world, I've set my love upon you. And yes, you weak in the flesh, as it were, but I will put my Holy Spirit within you. I will change and give you a new heart. That's what God wants for us, doesn't he? He wants that heavenly peace. He wants us to trust in his finished work on the cross. And utterly depend, totally, totally depend upon him by faith, as it were. To lay hold upon him by faith and trust in Him in everything. Peace, that's all I want. I want peace for your soul. And it's to you, to you, your name, as He did with Mary. He said to Mary, and Mary turned to Rabboni, Master. You see, as soon as the Lord said, Mary called personally, it's a personal thing, isn't it? Straight away, she said, ah, Rabona, Master. You live straight away. Straight away that would have brought instant peace. You see, friends, Christ's words meant everything to his disciples. They meant everything. They were waiting upon his words. Christ's words were absolutely life changing, weren't they? And so let me ask the question again, friends. Christ's words have been absolutely life-changing for you and for me. I mean, has there been a period and a time in your life where they've completely altered and changed the course and direction of your life? It must be the case. You must be born again. There must be a complete 180 degree change, a complete change in direction in your life. Christ's love, Christ's dying love, demands it, doesn't it? It demands our very life and soul. Hence the command to love the Lord, our God, with all our hearts, mind, soul and strength. Can we say that? Do we know this peace that commands such loyalty, such love that has conquered every fear, Do you know of it? Do I know of it? Has there been a time in my life and in your life where that that peace of God has come flowing in like a mighty wave, cleansing and and the power of the Holy Spirit bursting forth, as it were, into the vessel, cleansing us? Has there been that time where God has so revealed Himself in your very core of your being, by his words and by the power of the Holy Spirit, it must be the case. There must have been a time where we change, there is a complete altering. And we see this with the New Testament church, don't we? We see the effect, the words of God and the Spirit of God had upon the early believers with all their fears, with all their persecution, with all their doubts. We see the complete change it's had. A complete altering, a complete new course in life. Those who were fishers, fishermen, became fishers of men, fishers of souls. There was a complete change, wasn't there? You see, friends, from that day onwards, Christ's disciples were completely and utterly dedicated to Him. Complete dedication. What about you? And what about me? Are we completely dedicated to the Lord? Are we completely dedicated to the Lord? In all our decisions in life, do we bring them to God? Do we trust in Him, utterly, for everything in life? Or are we still leaning upon the arm of flesh, upon what our culture says for us to do? upon the Hollywood ideals or we still still trying to make our own course, our own way of life. Well, we see here, don't we, Christ's words, how they took effect upon his true people here and how they became completely and utterly dedicated to him, consecrated for the Lord. And so friends, please don't say, if there's any amongst us that are in such a condition, and you don't know of such heavenly peace, please don't say, Peace, peace, to your soul, when there is no peace. You're doing yourself a great misfavor. You're being deceived if you don't know of such truth in the very core of your body, that you're dedicated to the Lord, that there's been that time and period in your life where you've changed, and Christ's words have meant everything to you don't deceive yourself and say peace peace when there is no peace don't do it because you're doing yourself a great misfavor because a great part of one's salvation or the quick or getting to one's salvation is understanding that the peace we need is not of this world. We cannot manufacture our salvation. We cannot do certain things to get our salvation. It must be from the Lord. We must be made completely dedicated to Him. We must be born again. If Christ's dying love and His precious words do not move your heart and your very core of your being to live for Him, and be dedicated solely for His heavenly causes. Don't say peace, peace to your soul. When there is no peace, don't do it. You're better to say, I need this peace. I must have this peace. I must be made dedicated so I have this new desire. So I'm completely dedicated to the Lord. Don't say peace when you know there's no rain. Raining peace of your heart from the Lord. That there's still a, a raging of the waves in your heart for the things of this world. That Christ's words have not calmed the passions of your very heart and your very soul. That the waters are still raging, as it were. The earth is still being brought up. And the reflection of the water is still mixed with the world. And not reflecting Christ, because you know deep down, you know deep down, that the peace that you have is of your own doing and not of Christ's. Don't say peace, peace, when there is no peace, friends. If the Christian Sabbath, like we see here with the new disciples, is not a peculiar special day for you. A day where we come and we worship the Lord God in spirit and in truth, not in a legal sense, but in but love. We're dedicated to the Lord. We make every effort to worship God, to be around His people, to strengthen the hand of God's people, to support the gospel ministry. Sabbath and the Lord's day and such gatherings are not special to you you do not love them like we see with the the early Christians here don't say peace peace to your soul don't do it like I said you're doing yourself a great misfavor if you do not love what God loves because only when you've got this peace you love you love God's days you love God's people, you love God's causes, don't do it, don't say peace, peace where there is no peace friends, if the Bible, if the Bible, the Word of the living God is not living to you, if it does not speak to your very core of your being and move you and guide you as a light this dark world of sin, don't say peace, peace to your soul. If it's not your rule and your guide and you're taught by the Holy Spirit, don't do it. You're doing yourself a great injustice. It's better to be honest and say, I need such peace. I will seek it until I find this peace. It's better to be honest, isn't it? It's best to be honest with with the Lord. If the Bible, dear friends, does not move you, does not still challenge you, And comfort and guide you is that living word that helps you, giving the revealed word to you. Don't say peace. Peace, dear friends, when there is no peace. If you're still living in sense of the heart and the mind, and what I mean by that is there's no daily repentance towards the Lord. You're still breaking breaking the commandments with abandonment. I'm not talking outwardly because anyone can put up a show outwardly. I'm talking in the heart. I'm talking in the mind. I'm talking what God sees. He sees the heart. If you're still breaking the the commandments, breaking God's laws with abandon in your heart and in your mind, holding on to secret sin, the deadlock of sin hasn't been broken, the pattern of sin in your heart and your mind hasn't been broken. And sin hasn't become exceedingly sinful in your very heart and the very really core of your being, then don't say peace. Peace to your heart and to your soul. If you know there reigning peace and grace in your heart, don't do it, friends. If you don't mourn over sin and know of that godly repentance and sorrow and the joy that comes through true repentance and faith, and a mourning and a hating of sin, and a a plea to the Lord, well, don't say peace, friends, when there is no peace. If you have no desire for lost souls, as we see with the New Testament believers, if you have no desire to see other precious souls being forgiven, and it's just about you and your lot, and about your life, at work. It's not about Christ. It's not about His resurrection. It's not about Him. It's all about you. And you have no love for the Lord and His causes. Dear friends, it is more than likely that you're still in your sins. That's the reality of it. A true marker of grace is all those who have a desire to see precious souls being saved. Christ's resurrection ushered in his kingdom among men. And if you have no heart for his work, and I'm not saying everyone has to be an evangelist or a preacher, but surely we see with the New Testament church, everyone supports and strengthens the hand of God's people. They make every opportunity to be in God's house, every opportunity to support and live for the Lord. And to be dedicated to the Lord, if you have no heart for the Gospel, and to see souls saved, dear friends, do you really know the King? Are you, are you truly a citizen of heaven? If you yourself have no love, no, no, no desire for the lost, it's, it's telling, isn't it, that you might be lost yourself. Let, let, let us all examine our own hearts, dear friends, Let this be the case. Do you notice, dear friends, Christ only revealed himself to his true disciples. As Joseph did, likewise, when in Egypt, didn't he? Joseph, we know, was a type, was a picture of Christ. Joseph revealed himself, he told all the Egyptians, as it were, to go out and so that he could be alone and reveal himself, as it were, to his brethren. Christ does it as well. He reveals himself personally, secretly, in the depths of the hearts to his people. Do you have a personal relationship with your maker through Christ, dear friends? It must be be the case.
1: And that relationship must be
0: first. It must be first. Is God your father? Can you call him my father? My God. He's mine. He belongs to me. The Lord says, say to my brethren, your are God. You're my father. You're God. There's an ownership here, isn't there? We now belong to him. We're now in his heavenly home. His heavenly family. Can you call him my father? You see, before I was converted, God wasn't my tender, loving father. I actually saw God in a in a, in a, a, a condemnation con, type of way. I was, I was in fear, really, over God. I, I didn't see him as a loving father. But when I was converted, of course, I saw him as a loving father. And the same is true with everyone here. It's a personal thing, isn't it? between you and God. You cry, Abba, Father. You depend upon Him by faith. Is that true of you? Or do you still view God, if you're in your sins, as a tyrant, as it were? That's how I used to. I was a fear. But when I was truly converted, He became my Father. I saw the scriptures in a new light, as it were. They, they, a life of prayer started. It's the same with every true believer. This life of prayer miraculously. You see people in a different light, don't you, dear friends? And this is true when the peace of God comes flooding in to any heart and any soul. Can you say, from the psalmist in which we read earlier, in Psalm 63:3, thy loving kindness is better than life? Your loving kindness, the love wherewith you have loved me and given yourself for me. It means more than anything to me. More than husband, wife, children, this whole world. It means everything to me. It's conquered my heart. It's, it's conquered everything. I've got it all now, and that—that's what I live for. Because you've loved me. That's the motivation for a true Christian, isn't it? It's not a condemn a condemning one. Well, It's—it's the motivation is one of love. And it's very telling, isn't it, really, who God's true people are. Because they they love the Lord, they want to be dedicated to Him. Not just in church life, but in home life, in every sphere. I want to, to be dedicated to Him because He's conquered my heart. Because He's got my heart. He's given me a new heart. His love demands my life. I love Him. His peace reigns. I'm no longer under the condemnation of sin anymore. I love him. His loving kindness is better than life. If I was to die this day, I know I'd be perfectly fine. I'd be ushered in and to be in, in heaven with him in glory. We could say, like the Apostle Paul did, could say, couldn't we? To die is gain. It's gain. Isn't it, dear friends? Has there been a divine calling and new birth in life, in your life? Has there been a time, a period of time when you've been called? When, when the peace of God has just come, flooding in to your heart and your, your very soul? Is your peace, dear friends, an intellectual thing? I fear. I fear many in this faith, even many within the reform faith. I, I fear many people, dear friends, and it's an intellectual thing for them. I, I fear, really, that there are many, dear friends, who have the attitude, well, I'm not as bad as Joe blocks down the road. I still go to church, I don't swear. I, I'm polite, I'm friendly. I'm a family man, I'm, I'm this type of person. I'm not as bad as that person is. It's an intellectual thing. And, 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 I, and I, I fear that this is the case, by and large, in many churches today. It's not, it's not a heavenly thing, which we see here. that's a gift of God. Christ said to his disciples, Peace be unto you. This heavenly peace cannot be obtained by riches, by possessions, by career, by people, by a show of religion. It cannot be obtained. You see, the world seeks peace, well only if I get this latest gadget or get this person in my life, then I, I, I'll have some element of peace and security. If I get this property, as it were, I mean I used to like this, and and. Before conversion, people are thinking, well, if I make sure that I, 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 I look presentable and I, 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 for women perhaps I'm always portrayed as beautiful, I want to make myself as beautiful as possible to make sure that I get a certain person and get a certain lifestyle in my life, that's my peace, that's my security in life as long as I get those things. Well, well, that's the thing. And, and I have to look in the mirror every five minutes. I have to do my hair. I have to go to the nail salon or, or get my hair done every other week. I have to go to the tanning salon. I have to get all these things done. because I, I must make sure that I'm, and I'm not saying we should be scruffy, by the way. But I'm saying to you, do you have a peace? Or really, in your heart and in your mind, you're still, you're still looking for peace from the world. You're still looking. You're still looking to the world for this peace, for this security, as it were. It cannot be the case. It cannot be the case. Because Christ says, Peace be unto you. It must be. It must be Christ's peace. Oh, dear friends, the peace which Christ gives is a peace within the soul. It puts everything, and I mean everything, into perspective. It's it's the great leveler in our life as it were. It's the turning point. It's the new start in our life. We become a new creature. All things pass away. The things of this world become dim, And the things of Christ in eternity, well, we long for them, don't we? We long to please the Lord. We long to live for the Lord, although we may fail Him. Or we long to be like him, don't we? It's a peace which can never be obtained by works. Never. People try to do it by works. Well, if I, if I do this, and I do that, then the Lord will be happy with me. Not the case, biblically speaking. It's a free gift. Not of works, less man should bearish. If we come as a hell-deserving sinner, and understand that I am a sinner. Every day I have broken God's commandments in my heart, and in my mind, I deserve God. And as women come as a sinner to Jesus, and say, Lord, only you can give me peace, peace in my heart and my soul, change me from the inside out, like a butterfly. Once a butterfly, a caterpillar is earthbound as it were, thinking of the earth, crawling upon the earth. It's a bit like an unconverted sinner. And then, of course, that great transformation takes place in that white cocoon. And then suddenly that which was earthbound, thought about earth, crawled upon the earth, earthly minded, one day, it's heavenly minded. It takes off at the moment. That's like the Christian, a true converted believer. There's a change. There is a, a real transformation in the heart peace of God, the love of God has conquered the heart. There's a real, tangible change in one's life. It's a peace that Jesus Christ lives, doesn't it? You believe in the depths of your heart that the Son of God is real and that the work he did on the cross of Calvary was for you. Your name, your name was written upon his heart. And that when he died on the cross, that when he suffered those nails to be pegged through his hands, when he bore the punishment of his father upon that cross, he had your name upon his heart, upon upon, his mind. He was thinking upon you. His thoughts, the multitude of them, were towards you. He loved you so much. This love, friends, moves us. It moves our very core of us, doesn't it? When it takes effect by the Holy Spirit. It's a piece that utterly, utterly believes that Jesus Christ died for every single one of our sins, past, present, and future. Every single one. I remember the day. And I'm sorry, forgive me for referring to myself, but I, I do so as a testimony of, of Christ. Nothing in me. Uh, and I say that honestly that I know there was nothing in me. But I, I know the day that the Lord came up to my heart, I, I knew that day that every single sin had been forgiven of me. And yes, there were mysteries. There were mysteries. Of, it, I can tell you, doctrinally, this and that and everything else. But I knew I was converted. I knew I was saved because almost instantly, and I know it's different for for, for people, but instantly I wanted to read the Bible. Instantly, the Word of God became living to me. It became my guide and my rule in life. There was a change in my heart. Is this true with you? There There was the burden... The burden just was gone. It was like a a relief. For years I felt like captive to my sin just being dictated to by my sin every day. Living for sin. Just living for what people and society wanted me to be every day. And there was an emptiness in there. A hollowness in there. And I just tried to fill it every day with the world. And It just couldn't fill, that which only Christ could fill, until that day when He came and conquered my heart. And that peace, that peace that I felt, was just amazing. And it's true for every true believer. Every true believer comes to know that peace. This is a lasting peace, isn't it, friends? It's an eternal peace. It's not like the world makes fading peace, isn't it? It's not, it's not a fading piece. It can never fade away. There is now no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You're no longer. You no longer fear death or hell or the consequences of even inbred sin. You're in Christ. He has dealt with all of your sin. This can only happen, of course, when truly, by the Spirit of God, at the providential time of God, trust in Him. And it is is—it is our, all of our duty here to seek it. We must, we must seek first the righteousness of God. It must, we must sincerely do it until we know that where will we go from the words of life. In peace that knows that God loves you, and cares for you is so precious, isn't it? That knows that God loves you and cares for you You're as the apple of his eye. He loves you that he gave himself for you, and that he suffered for every sin. I mean, just think about that. Think about when you do someone wrong, or someone does you wrong, and perhaps you forgive them, but then they do it again. And you forgive them, and they do it again. But imagine a lifetime Sin, sin in the heart, sin in the mind, sin of omission, outward sin, sin of action, all the sins, a lifetime of every single sin of all the people who who, who would and who will come to trust in Christ. That's what he bore on the cross of Calvary. And he was able to do it he was fully God and fully man, He bore away our sin. His soul was made a sacrifice for sin. His soul amazingly endured an eternity of hell. Amazingly on that cross. The whole world went dark because he was suffering the separation from his own father. He spent sweet community Communion with. And then on that cross, separated. Why? Because the the white blemishness Lamb of God was made black, was made sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. These things are amazing. These things are a mystery to us, aren't they? A peace, really, that knows that God is sovereign over your life. Do you have that peace? A peace that knows that God is sovereign over every part of your life. You don't have to fear this or that. You can just commit it to the Lord and live in obedience and faith in His words and in His promises. And He promises, He promises that He will help you. Oh dear friends, such a peace. Such a peace because demands are very strong. Do you have such a peace, dear friends? Can you truly know, can you truly know of such a peace? You can truly know of such a peace when you come as a sinner to Jesus. But you believe that when Jesus died, he died personally for every single sin on the cross of Calvary for you. And that you believe that he has risen over victory, over your sin and death. And has taken your power and has paid the full cost of your sin, and now you are justified in Him, and the Holy Spirit will sanctify you for the rest of your life. Do you believe it? Our oh, friends believe it. Knock, and the door shall be open. Seek, and ye shall find. Can Amen.